Hey, Rock Harbor. We're very excited that we're out here on our 21 acres of property just off of Chendon and Tree Farm Way. Before we go any further, I think it's important to draw attention to the fact that we match, okay? Yeah. This was not planned. Nope. Only God could do something yep. this majestic. But I'll be honest with you, I kind of like it. So, <laughs> Shake, bake. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, so enough ridiculousness. We're excited about what God is doing in our church, in our community, and specifically with our Our Time Building initiative. See, what it's about, it's about building lives, more importantly than building a building. Yes, a building, there is going to be a building here yep. someday, a place, a uh, creative space for children uh, to be able to come to know Jesus as their Savior and get to know who He is and come alongside families in partnership. This is going to be a place where we put a stake in the ground in a community that says, hey, we're here to stay. The message of Jesus is going to scream loudly from this place. We want to update you on some of the things about our groundbreaking, some things about phasing and, and the process that God has us in currently. Absolutely. And so as we start to talk about that, it's an exciting thing. I think as we look back over the past couple of years, um, we didn't know where God was going to take us. We didn't know when these things were going to happen. And it's a great question, and we receive it a lot, is, is when are we going to actually going to break ground? And we want to talk through what that might look like uh, for us in the future to have a permanent home here for Rock Harbor Church. Um, as we met with the architect and met with builders, we started to, to phase these things out because we realized that it gets very, very expensive very quickly. And uh, as the church has continued to grow, we realized that we couldn't build like a six or 700 seat worship center like we, we currently have at Rocky is because we, we would outgrow it day one. And we started to think a little bit bigger and say, okay, Lord, what would you have us to do? And so the architect went back and he drew up a plan. That's what phase one would be is a 1,350 seat worship center with about a 400 uh, spaces for children and then a big lobby for us to just enjoy uh, each other and get to know each other a little bit more. And to do that is about $12.5 million for us to build that. And then phase 2.0 would be adding on our, our space for our students. And that's about another 12,000 square feet uh, to add on. And uh, that would take us to about 13,750. One day we'll add on phase 3.0, which will be our offices. And that would take us to a grand total of about $15 million in order to build that space. You know, none of this conversation would even be possible without the faithfulness mm -hmm of the church and you know the financial stewardship of our finance team and even our staff being great stewards of the resources we've we've had even to launch a multi-site you know to have the hub venue and all this it's just creative ways to reach more people and to have four services back to back to back with a short passing period we're being as creative as we possibly can here's the thing we're not just celebrating that there is going to come a day that we're going to go vertical that day's come now here's why this week we are paying off the property here, fully paying it off. So in two, two, less than two years, paying off two and a half million dollars, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being willing to make a sacrifice so people can hear this message of Christ. You know, Scott, if you could sum it up quickly for us, phase one, how much would that be to break ground? Phase two and three, sure. that would help yeah. us. Yeah, great question. Um, in order for us to break ground uh, for phase 1.0, we need about $2 million to come in in order to break ground for that. To, to break ground and, and actually add on the student wing would be about an additional $500,000, so about $2.5 million. And then to add our staff offices, uh, will be about $3 million that needs to come in before we can actually break ground. Now, here's one of the amazing things is that the plans are already all done. They've been submitted to the city. They've been approved, and uh, permits are already approved as well. So we are actually ready to break ground. Um, it really is truly just a thing of when we have the money, we're ready to make that happen. You know, being able to even have this conversation, being able to be out here, being able to celebrate, we're just grateful. Our hearts are overflowing. So two years ago, we got the opportunity to launch this Our Time Building initiative and a smaller group of people than we have now said, hey, let's make a sacrifice. And what sacrifice is, 
It's giving up something you love for something you love more. And we've seen that sacrifice continue to pour in over the last couple of years. Then about a year ago, as we saw our church grow by 25%, mm -hmm. we, we had another opportunity and some people that came in that were new and some people that saw some increase in their life, making one-time donations or a two-year commitment. That took place last December. And then now here we are one year out for our time being completed. It's our opportunity to make an additional sacrifice. Say, hey, God has blessed me above and beyond. I'd like to make a one-time commitment or a monthly commitment over the next year that would start in January. So here we are, an opportunity to say, hey, it's not one person doing something or just a small group. It's all of us saying, what can we do to see the gospel spread through Rock Harbor Church? As we plant churches, we start multi-sites, we see God continue to use this space that we have as a hub for the gospel to go forth. It's our time to love. It's our time to lead one another to be devoted followers of Jesus. That opportunity is taking place on December 16th. It's our commitment Sunday. It's our chance to say, hey, this is a gift that I can give. So right now, let's be praying. Let's be asking God, what is it that he wants us to do? Not what can we do or what we can financially look at and see, but rather, God, what would you have us to do? We want to honor you in that. Great days are ahead for us and the gospel being lived out through Rock Harbor Church. Thank you so much. That was great. awesome. I love, I love matching with Scott and looking that good together. I mean, he fills the shirt out a little better than I do, but, um, you know, he's got those big guns and stuff. It's hard to keep it contained. That guy's a man right there. Um, but it is exciting to see what God has done. And just as you guys clap to celebrate his faithfulness, um, to see in less than two years, two and a half million dollars be set aside and because of uh, operating under budget and saving as well as just sacrificial giving. Um, I'm really thankful for that. And so I know you clapped in there, but being able to pay off that property and all that, could we just put our hands together, whether you're at your hub or you're here at Rocky and celebrate that? Thank you so much. It's been an incredible journey. And even today, I mean, making it through the snow, you know, Snowmageddon, December 2nd, it's big, it's huge. Um, but for you guys to, to be here, how many of you guys, you came a little bit later to a later service because of how much snow was there this morning? Just to be honest. Okay, this is a safe place, safe place. Thank you for, for making it and then just not just staying home. And so, um, but no, it's very exciting to see um, what God is doing. I want to share something. We've got those that are at the hub today and just talk a little bit. You hear us talk about the hub and I know our church has, has grown over the last couple of months. So I want to tell you why uh, we're doing the hub. One, we're filling up in our services. So we have people coming to 815. We have people going to the noon service to create space in these uh, middle two services. And when we launched the hub, the desire was uh, to create more room, a new environment, a new community that could uh, continue to serve. It gives us a chance to grow the leadership of our church. And so those, uh, maybe you've heard about the hub, but you want to test that out. There's about 250 people that gather together. We have two services over there, 945 and 1115. We love you hubbers. Um, we absolutely love uh, how God is using you. And we're seeing people begin to uh, invite their friends and we're seeing some people find out about it and coming from the community there. And so we're super thankful for that. If you want to be part of the hub, there's still opportunity for that. Uh, we're still one church. We are meeting at two locations. And so when we talk about our time, when we talk about the vision of the church, we're all in this 
uh, together. And our plan is currently what we see God doing is when we build the facility, we'll come back together as one location. Um, Our hands are also open to that. Like if God does something and directs us a different way and we want to continue with multiple locations, then then we'll do that. Um, But wanted to share that with you so you kind of understand everybody knows uh, what the hub is all about. But we love God's work and and maybe you're at the hub today. I uh, weren't able to be part of this. I know some hubbers came over today, but we're having eight baptisms today at the church, which is very exciting. The new life in Christ, Lauren, at this one was turbo. Like she's excited. She's over here doing jumping jacks. She's doing like one arm push ups and burpees, and uh, she was ready to go. And I'm thinking I should do something like that at some point, but I didn't. And so, but. It's the new life that we're seeing in Christ. And that's the why. That's why we do what we do. That's why we're willing to make a sacrifice, start uh, different services and all of that. And I remember as I uh, shared last week um, about the journey that God had, had me on, I, I began this prayer around our city. And I wanted to say, God, what do you, what do you want us to do? And on January 25th, uh, 2012, I actually remember what I was doing that day. And it wasn't like an anniversary or my kid's birthday or anything. But on that day, I was driving a circle around the city. Well, our city isn't really a circle, so I drove an awkward rectangle, and I went up Eagle Road, uh, crossed, uh, headed west down Chendon, took a left on McDermott, because back then you legally could take a left on McDermott, and then went south from there over to Franklin, uh, took a left on Franklin, over to Black Cat, headed south on Black Cat, over to Amity, and anybody lost? I know exactly where I am, Um, but went east on Amity over to Eagle Road, and when I got to that point that I started, I thought, I want to know how far I've driven. And it was exactly 26.2 miles. And for some of you, that's not a significant number. Uh, Some of you, you know what a marathon is. I don't believe in running. Um, But I drove a marathon that day. And it was almost as if God was saying, hey, this journey that I have you on is not going to be a sprint. It's a marathon. So hang on for the ride. And so I just felt like at that point, you know, rolling up in my 2003 Honda Accord or Honda Pilot with with hail damage, you know, like God spoke to me in that moment. And uh, it's been kind of a journey. And maybe you've heard that story because we share it about once a year and give our church an opportunity to do, to do a prayer drive. And so over the next two weeks between now and Commitment Sunday, which is the, the 16th of December, where we get to make a financial commitment and, and we fill out cards and we say, hey, we're all in this together to make a sacrifice. Would you consider with your family or, or maybe your spouse or a friend or someone from your community group or kids driving that marathon together? If you want to ride it, you're more than welcome to. If you want to ride a bike or um, you know, maybe you get one of those lime green scooters, you know, you know, it probably cost you about 350 bucks. Um, but maybe that's what you want to do. Um, just leave it out there at McDermott and, and, and Highway 16. That'd be great. Um, actually don't, I think, I don't know if you should do that. Um, but if, if, uh, if God would uh, lay on your heart, this is a chance for us to pray for our city and ask the Lord to continue to, to use this place and and pray for our church and God's ministry as it continues forth. And so that would be our, our time prayer drive. If you want to take your dog, that's great. Do, do not take your cat. Uh, we want God's blessing over our church. And so please, like, don't do that, okay? We want to honor the Lord. Um, uh, and if anybody takes a picture and posts that of, of their cat, I'm going to delete you. Um, so, but... <clears throat> Uh, what's going on in the book of Haggai as we've been studying is this group of people, God's chosen people, they're getting an opportunity to, to choose their way forward. And so we're encouraging, there's so many correlations that go on between us and where they're currently at. And they're trusting God's perfect timing. See, they had been in captivity 
the temple had uh, been destroyed and they were in the process of rebuilding it and they started it and then they stopped it and then they started it and then they stopped it. Here's why. You and I do the same thing. We start projects, we stop projects based on whether or not our heart is in it. They started and did the work of their hands, but they hadn't done the work in their heart. And their heart was not prepared to complete what God began in them. And now Haggai's calling out obedience in them. And I heard a principle about 30 years ago. It was geared towards parenting, but it was obedience brings blessing. So we're going to be talking about obedience today and obedience that brings a blessing. See, sometimes we assume like, hey, if I go to church, by the time church gets out, my problems are going to be fixed, okay? Or we treat God a little bit like a vending machine. Sometimes we put, we we give him some money and then we expect a Pop-Tart, you know, or we kind of say, if I give this, then I get this. And, And we make bargains with God. I remember making deals with God when I was in high school and later middle school, I remember I was playing sports and I had played a couple different sports. I remember like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible before I go to bed. I'm going to get up in the morning because I have a game and I want to score 20 points, you know? And I remember thinking like, God, you know, like what, what happened last night? Like that's good for at least, you know, a few rebounds and, and, uh, you know, keep me out of foul trouble, God. Um, and I remember making these deals and we do the same thing a little bit in our life. We kind of make a deal, but God's not into a deal. He wants all of our life. He doesn't want part of it. He doesn't want a portion that we're kind of thinking about more of the blessing than the actual obedience, for he's a jealous God. And he'd become very jealous of his people. Here's why. Verse 9 of chapter 1, it says, My house that lies in ruins, while each of you busy yourself with building your own house. So he's calling them out and he's saying, You've built your own house, you've built your own kingdom, you're focusing on your own things, for I am worthy of worship. Let's build the house of the Lord. So Haggai is proclaiming this loud and clear, and he's calling obedience out to God's people. He's calling out obedience and say, hey, we need to obey the right way. And one of the ways we can obey the right way is by avoiding conditional obedience to God. This is when we say, I will obey God as long as. I will obey God when it works for me. I know I've done this a lot in my life where I find myself when it's comfortable, it's easier to obey. I don't know, is there anybody here, whether in this room, online, or over at the hub, like, you have selective hearing, okay? Mostly men raised their hand just now. (laughs) So like, last service, this dude raised his hand, his wife didn't see it, she pointed him out like this, and I'm like, bro's got his hand up, like, give him a break, he's trying to confess sin before 650 people, you know, and you're like making sure everybody knows, right? So some of us, we have selective hearing at times. It's amazing. My kids, I know they have selective hearing because when we talk about chores or I need help or can someone take out the trash, it's amazing what they don't hear. But the second they hear the blender going that's making peppermint milkshakes, they come running like animals. Or if, I, yeah, uh, it's peppermint milkshake time, you know? It's good like at this time of the year, about every three to four days, we like to make them at the house. And so, but it's amazing how all of a sudden they can hear, you know, when other times they can't hear the weed eater. That means we're mowing, they can't, but they can hear the blender. You know, something's happening. Um, and I know this for a fact. I don't know if maybe it's anybody else, but my boys, when we go to like clean the garage or do some yard work, it's amazing how many times they have to go to the bathroom. Like they need to go to the doctor or get a catheter or something. But it's like all of a sudden they have to go to the bathroom and I'll go to the door in the bathroom and I'll be like, you're not going. Like, I know it. Get off your phone. Put it under the door. <laughs> they kick it under the door and then I don't want to touch it. Um, but... But it's like focus on something. Don't have selective hearing or, or selective listening or selective conditional 
obedience. And when I look at this scripture, when I look at scripture, we read passages like love your neighbor as yourself. And we're like, okay, is that like all of my neighbors or like the easy neighbor to love? Okay. We'll say things like when it talks about that we're to wait to have sex before we're married, we're to wait in the Lord's timing to do that. And we'll say things like, but we really are married in our heart. And we'll make a decision based on what we want rather than what God's word says. And we'll have some conditional obedience. And it got really quiet in here. And so I'll go on to the next one. Um, we, say, we see things like forgive those who hurt you. And what if they keep hurting you? Should I keep forgiving them? And so we look at that and go, I don't really want to. Or do I really have to? And we selectively hear. And, and God's people are selectively hearing these commands. You know, God doesn't give us suggestions or options. The Lord gives commands. God doesn't give suggestions or options. God gives commands to obey rather than a suggestion to consider. And they're being commanded to build the house of the Lord. Haggai's saying, hey, we need to build the house of the Lord. And I can't tell you how many times in my life that I've heard it, but conditionally, or I delayed a response to the Lord that I've missed out on some of his blessing. I think about... Uh, some of the times where I've seen God move the strongest in my life is, is generated around generosity. When I've seen God ask for something of me, whether it be financially or in service, I've seen him bring an increase that I could have never possibly created. And about seven years ago, I was driving down I-84, and I was between the Vista and the Broadway exit, and I saw a guy walking on the shoulder. And he was about 65 years old, and I'm like, man, looks like he could be my dad. Um, uh, and I kind of, I pull off, I was going 72-ish, and I pull off, and I, I see him there, and I start backing up at about 25 miles an hour. The dude was scared. He was like, wow, and I'm like, hey, do you need a ride? And he's like, sure, and so he hops in my car, and I said, where are you headed? And he said, I'm headed to the, the truck stop up there. I'm going to get a shower. I was like, okay, I'll give you a ride up there, and I really felt impressed in my heart that I needed to share the message of Christ with him, like I needed to tell him about Jesus, and so I locked the doors of the car, and... <laughs> I said, hey, man, I mean, I never stopped the car. I said, he's going to have to dive out the window if he's getting out of here. And I just said, hey, man, um, I want to talk to you about who Jesus is in my life. And uh, we just started talking. And next thing you know, he's trying to tell me about Jesus. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you about Jesus. And I'm trying to lead him to Christ, and he's trying to lead me to Christ. Next thing you know, we're in an argument about God. And so it was a great experience. We're talking. And as we were talking, something had happened um, about two months uh, or two weeks earlier, I had a friend that gave me $100, and I had done a project for him, and I was just being helpful, being friends, and he sent me a card, and I, uh, I got that, and I thought, I'm not, I, I texted him, I'm like, dude, like, we're friends, why'd you do that? And he said, I just was so blessed by it, I want to encourage you, and I said, well, I'm going to give that away, and so it sat in my wallet for two weeks, which is quite the miracle when you have a family of our size, and I thought about giving it to my wife, which is our money, and that would work out, but then I felt like I'd give it to somebody in need, myself, Um, but then I kept it there, and I felt like I was to give it to him, and so I handed it to him, and he just broke down, and so we talked a little bit, and he just said, man, this ministers to me more than you can imagine, and and, uh, I said, hey, how about this, like, my church is just down the street one mile from here, and we've got a shower, a men's restroom, all that st- kind of stuff. You can shower there, save your eight bucks. Instead of 92 bucks, you can have 100. He's like, sounds good to me. And I'm like, all right, dude, let's roll. And so we take off down Broadway. Still isn't got out of my car, hasn't figured out I'm crazy. I didn't figure out he's crazy. And so we're driving down the Broadway exit, and there's a landscape pickup in front of us. 
And the magnet on the side of it, you know, that says like so-and-so landscape, call 208, blah, 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 whatever, is like fluttering in the wind. And I'm like, dude, look at that. He goes, you see that? I said, yeah. All of a sudden, it flies off, hits the bridge, lands on the ground right there. And I'm like, dude, I pull over. I'm like, that guy dropped his magnet. I'm like, I'll go get it. And I did what any normal person would do. They would leave an absolute stranger in their car. And then I got out of my car and I went and grabbed it, hopped back in. He goes, let's get him. I said, Lau, let's get him. We took off down the federal exit. We caught him over by Home Depot. I'm like, bro, you dropped this. And he's like, oh man, I can't tell you how many times I've lost that. And I look at him like, you're hilarious. And he's like, no, I'm not kidding. People chase me down with it, like us. People call the office. They drop it off, drive across town. Oh, you lost your magnet. He's like, it's actually kind of funny. I'm like, you're ridiculous. I get in my car. I'm like, ah, whatever. I'm like, praise God. God bless you. Um, (laughs) Hop in the car, and we're driving off. And I'm like, dude, that guy's weird. He goes, yeah, he's weird. And I'm thinking, we're weird. I don't know you. And we're chasing him. So we're driving and I look down and he's got brand new shoes on. And I see these shoes. I'm like, dude, those are nice kicks. And he goes, somebody gave them to me. He goes, and the thing that's crazy, they've gave me this horrible blister. And I'm like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah. And I was walking down the freeway before you ran me over. um, And I prayed that the Lord would give me a Band-Aid. And I looked there right on the ground. And there was a brand new, not a used, but a brand new Band-Aid on the freeway. And then you pulled over and scared me. Um, He said, but God gave me that. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. And so we got to the church and he hopped in the shower and I went to my office and I'm in there and all of a sudden he comes back around the corner and um, I'm like, hey man. And he's like, hey, are those your kids hanging on the wall? And I was like, those are pictures of my kids hanging on the wall. Um, But yeah, those are my kids. He starts telling me their personalities. And so he's, oh, she's like this. And, and your twin boys, this one's older. I'm just like, how do you know that? Because it was like this one, the older one was on the right and not the left. And so it didn't make any sense. And he guessed it. Then he said, they're per- I can't even tell them apart. And he's telling me their personalities. And I'm like, you need to go. Like, you got to get out of here, you know. So we walk out, we get to the car. And in the meantime, while he had been in the shower, I raided our first aid kit at the church. And I came back out and I said, hey, man, I got an entire box of band-aids. You thought you needed one. You're going to be blessed. God is bringing an overflow to you. And that's how life is. And he's like, oh, that's good. I never replaced the band-aids. Anyway, so... We took off, we're driving, and he starts telling me things about my life. He's asking about my calling to ministry and what God's doing in my heart. He had no idea. I had just left Spokane, Washington, and I shared that with you guys last week. I just, just left Spokane. I was asking, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And he starts speaking scripture into my life. And I dropped him off where he needed to go, and God gave me that at a perfect timing. See, God brings things to you at the perfect timing when your heart is open. Not just the work of your hands is ready. Work is important, but your heart being open. I wanted God to complete in me what that conversation had started to be about. And I haven't always taken the opportunity to be generous. I haven't always taken the opportunity when God had moved, has moved in my heart for something. But at that point, that time, my heart was open. I also know that there's been a few times in my life where I delayed my obedience. Sometimes like my obedience is conditional. Sometimes it's delayed. And what delayed obedience is, actually, it's, it's a disobedience. Sometimes my disobedience is just straight sin. It's me choosing to do something that I know I shouldn't do. Sometimes it's an inadvertent, like something happened and situations happen and I start to justify it in my mind. But sin is sin. And sin corrodes everything. Sin comes in and it convolutes everything. It corrupts everything. And those were three C's I didn't even plan, okay? But verse number 12 of Haggai 
2 says, If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and he touches it with the fold of bread or stew or wine or oil or any of the foods, does it become holy? The priest answers and says, No. Then Haggai said, If someone who's unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it then become unclean? And the priest answers and says, It does become unclean. What that's saying is like, If my hands are dirty, or if my hands are clean, and I reach into a sink full of dirty dishes, does it make them clean by touching them? No, you have to actually do the work. There, there's sin. There's, there's something that is standing in the way. It's saying bad company corrupts good company. It doesn't say good company fixes and cleanses bad company. Sin's like this disease that gets in and it starts to mess up and corrode and convolute everything in our life. Sin's like a spaghetti sauce, you know, where it'll stain everything that it touches. I have a couple of boys and a few, a bunch of them. But anyways, one of them wrestles. And when he comes home from wrestling, we're like, do not touch anything. You and your ringworm need to get in the shower. You know, like, go. And so we don't, he's like, I'm hungry. I'm like, I don't care. You're, you're nasty is what you are. Now go take a shower. Um, how many of you guys have kids and, and they play football? How many of you guys have smelled football gloves? There's nothing like it. It can ruin anything. It's like sin, okay? It gets in your car and you're like, I think I have a dead animal in my vehicle. No, it's just your son's football gloves. That's all that it is. They're horrible. The same is true with sin. There's a little bit of it. A little bit of leaven or sin leavens the whole lump. Verse 14, Haggai answers and says, So it is with the people... And with this nation before me, declares the Lord, so with every work of their hands and what they offer, there is unclean. See, when our heart isn't right with God, guess what? Whatever we do is wrong. If our heart's not right with God, we can't be right in our behavior. Jesus said it this way, for you please me or you honor me with your lips, but your heart's far from me. It's not just about what they were saying. Let's build the temple. It wasn't like, let's work to do the temple. He was saying, I want your heart. I want your heart to be knit with mine. I want you to trust and obey me. I want you to follow me. For God wanted more than a nice temple. He wanted obedient hearts of his people. That brings honor to him. That's worship to him. Verse 15. Now then, consider from this day onward. See, if you... If you've been with us the last three weeks, you hear, heard us said, consider this day forward, consider your way forward, consider this day forward. It repeats it over and over and over again. And I think it's important for me to stop and say, for some of you, today is the day. I talked about sin. Today is the day where you draw a line in the sand or the snow, <laughs> get it, snow. You draw a line and you say, today from here forward, I surrender my heart to Jesus Christ. From today forward, I'm choosing generosity. From today forward, I've dealt with certain anxiety about this, but today I'm trusting and I'm obeying. I'm surrendering this to the Lord. I've been doing the work of the Lord, but I want my heart to be his. Consider your way forward. The Bible talks about that over and over and over again. And it says, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. And today is that day of surrender for some. It may be a relationship that needs to surrender. It may be a pride that needs to surrender. It may be a certain sin that needs to surrender, but it needs to be in the Lord's gracious and righteous hands. For before this stone was placed upon a stone in the temple, how did you fare? When one came 
to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50, but there was 20. It's saying you came to get something that you had raised or something that you had kept and less than was there. Somebody drank my wine. There were supposed to be five bottles, but there's only two. What's happened? And what God is saying here through the mouth of Haggai, he's saying, I've brought some punishment upon you with the purpose of restoration. I've allowed what you thought you had stored up to not actually be enough for you because of inflation, because of circumstance, because of whatever. Whatever you have planned, I've told you, trust me, and I'm going to let you. I'm going to give you the opportunity to trust me. Verse 17, I struck you with all the products of your toil. I struck you with all the products of your toil. Your own choices have gotten you here with blight, with the mildew, with the hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. See, a good parent, the goal of discipline, it's not punishment, it's restoration. We don't sit there as parents and go, I can't wait until my kid's in trouble. I can't wait to take this from them. I can't wait to punish them. No, I can't wait till my kid comes back to Jesus. I can't wait till my kid obeys. I can't wait till my child surrenders their heart to the Lord or surrenders their heart and begins to obey and honor their father and mother. It's to redirect them, not just to punish them. That's what an evil king, lord, god, ruler, parent would do. But we have a good God. And he wants us to turn. And he's given them chance, a turn, and he's reminding them from whence they came. And if you've been here the last three weeks, you know these things, but I want to review them real quick. Scott talked about three of them just in the first week. Because we may ask, okay, what is being asked of God's chosen people and what's being asked of us? The first thing was asked was to go up into the hills. That means be willing to climb. Be willing to dig deep to go get what? To bring down that wood. To get up there for the timber. To get up there to find whatever resource God has given you. Go find those resources. Why? So you can build the house. We're to build his kingdom. We're to climb whatever it takes to find whatever resource that we have or, or others have. To stir up with passion, excitement to do what? To build his house, to build his kingdom. To build the work of the Lord. And as we studied last week, to be strong, O Zerubbabel. Be strong. Go and do the work. Grind it out. Be willing to get up early, stay up late, to not be lazy, to not be selfish, to not focus on what we want, to say, I'm willing to make a sacrifice for other people. And today it's being called out in a couple of simple words that in doing those things, we would trust and obey. We would trust and we would obey. We'd trust the good Lord. We would trust the King of Kings. We would trust the Almighty. We would trust Yahweh. We would trust Jehovah Jireh that he's going to provide for us. To trust and obey. Isn't that what we want for those of us that are parents in this room? Those that are teachers in this room, your mentor, your coach, your disciple, you're discipling others. Trust me. Obey. I've been there. I've walked these roads. I'm not perfect. But guess what? God is. God is perfect. And he's calling out in us to trust him, to obey him. You know, this morning I was in this back room and the 815 service has started and there's a little breezy hallway and I'm running through my message a little bit. I'm reading and all of a sudden these kids are back there and 
they're like, what makes Jesus special? And the kids are like, because Jesus is the son of God, you know? And then the next one, what makes Jesus special? And then all of them, because Jesus is the son of God. And then they're getting excited. I'm just thinking they got hankies. They're going for it. Because Jesus is the son of God. What's next week? The Christmas program, you know? Why do we celebrate Jesus? Because Jesus is the son of God. And I'm like, wow, this is exciting. I mean, they're learning, you know? And I see the same thing here with Haggai. He's calling out for who is God? Is he worthy of our worship? See, when I was a kid, we sang a little bit different songs. We did anthems and we did cries. And, and one of those songs that I sang as a young kid, it was called Trust and Obey. I want to read some of the words for you. It says, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still with all who trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. See, we long for happiness. We long for peace. It only comes from him. It takes trusting. It takes obedience to his words, obedience to his commands. See, obedience brings blessing. You know what disobedience does? It invites destruction. If obedience is going to bring a blessing disobedience is going to invite destruction into our life. See, it's really simple. It's very clear, but we want to convolute it and say, well, and I was raised this way and this happened to me and we make different excuses at the bottom line. Sin is sin and we have an account that we have to give for the life that we live. Are we obeying or not? Are we obedient to the Lord? Are we delaying it? Are we conditional in that obedience? You know, God owns everything. He owns everything. As we read last week, we're going to hear this word shake a little bit later in our same passage. The word shake is using and God will come and shake from the heavens. He'll shake the heavens and the earth. You know, God can take whatever he would want. And he has the right to because he's righteous and he's good. God can be righteously angry and not sin. God can take what he wants. You know, rather than of everything that God could have, you know what he wants? Your heart. He can make you follow him. And there will come a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But he wants your heart. He doesn't just want the work of your hands. He wants his work alive in your heart. Obedience. Surrender. April 7th, 2012, I was driving down Eagle Road, driving down Eagle Road with my father-in-law, and we're going to Home Depot, and we're getting stuff to build a box just like this, and we're building uh, these little carts to carry a portable church around, and there's lots of stuff going on, and we're driving up Eagle, and all of a sudden I look over and I see a guy walking, and I'm like, are you kidding me? So I did what any normal person would do. I flipped to you in five lanes of traffic. Scared the guy to death and my father-in-law this time. And I'm like, Robert, hop in the truck, you know? Open up the door. He hops in. He goes, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, I have no idea. He goes, you're crazy. And I'm like, you're crazy. You know, and I took him to my house. That's what you do with strangers, you know, that you find on the road. I hadn't seen him in about seven months. I take him to my house because I'd been telling my wife about what this man had shared. 
introduced him to my kids. My mom was there. It's unbelievable. See, I don't know to this day if I was entertaining an angel or not. I have my own thought about that. But I introduced him to my family. I went to give him a ride. He wanted to go to Lucky Perk. And I was like, dude, what are you doing on Eagle Road? He's like, what are you doing on Eagle Road? I said, I live over here. He goes, I'm hardly ever over here. I'm giving him this ride. And he said, hey, whatever happened? I said, well, that's kind of crazy. But tomorrow's Easter Sunday. We're having our first service ever at Rocky Mountain High School. We're We're starting a church called Rock Harbor. And what you shared with me seven months ago, God used in my heart in maybe a strange or unique way that he was watching out for me, he was leading me, he was directing me, and I wanted my heart and my life to be open to him. And I could have seen you a hundred times between now and the last time. I've never seen that man again. What God knew is in his perfect timing on that day at that time, I needed what he gave me. I drove up Eagle Road one time that day. So I was working with my father-in-law. And as long as I play oldies music and I hold the other end of the board, he'll work all day long. (laughs) And we built some really great things that day. But in that quick period of time when I left, at the perfect timing, he was there. And I needed that experience so I could walk out on this stage and share the message of Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians 4, or 1 Timothy 4 that day, I shared that Jesus is the mediator. There's one God, there's one man, and Jesus is the offering that we all needed for our sin. God has a perfect timing. And just like God's people, they had a choice to obey. What are they going to do? Are they going to follow him? Or are they going to trust him? Here's the thing. That guy's calling out. You know what? There were some people at that time that they were ready to do it. But God wanted all of his people. Yes, there were a few people started to build a foundation. But it fizzled out because of the lack of community. You know what? As a church... There's some people that are being extremely faithful to God. There's some people that are saying, God, whatever it is that you want me to do. They're doing that personally. They're doing that corporately. They're making sacrifice. They're saying, hey, I'm going to do my part. Some, but not all. I don't say that by way of guilt. I say that by way of fact. We have to consider our way forward. Some are trusting God. Some are testing God. And some of us need to step into obedience to God. Verse 18 It says, consider this day onward. Consider this day onward. He's talking about is the seed in the barn, is the vine, is there fig tree, is there pomegranate, is the olive tree? None of them are yielding anything. And it's almost like that line in the sand. And here's what God says through Haggai. But from this day, I will bless you. Zerubbabel, you've been faithful. From this day, I'm going to bless you. From this day forward, you've obeyed. And now I'm going to bring your blessing. Listen to what God promises in verse 20. The Lord comes a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. He speaks to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and he says, I'm, (laughs) 
Listen to this. This is great. I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth. Maris. Maris. What does that mean? It's a Hebrew word for quake it and shake it. It's a rumble in the jungle. He says, I'm going to shake the earth. What am I going to do? I'm also going to overthrow, which means I'm going to annihilate. I'm going to utterly destruct. I'm going to exterminate. I'm going to decimate what? The throne of all kingdoms. I'm going to come in and I'm going to set up a kingdom. I'm the one true God. What am I going to do? I'm going to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations. He's destroying righteously those that would rise up against God's people. He's going to crush them. He says, these horses and the riders, these chariots and their riders, they're going to go down by every sword of his brother. The cats, they're gone too. Horses, everything. I'm going to shake it. I'm going to make some people mad. I'm sorry. Okay, that's not in the Bible. I made that up. I am sorry. But how's it going to go down? How are these evil kingdoms going to go down? By the sword of their brother. You know what that means? And someone in here needs to hear that. You're busy trying to defend yourself. He's saying, you don't have to lift up a sword. When evil wants to rise up against my kingdom, let me, under my power and my might, let me have them raise swords up against one another. They want to say evil about me? Let's watch them destroy each other. Their words will hold no weight. Some of us are out there trying to defend everything that's ever been said about it. Everything that's been said about us, what people are thinking, I'm worried about this. He's saying, hey, worry about me and my kingdom alone. Stop trying to defend yourself. Let them be crushed under their own sword. It's evil. Let it die. For on this day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, and son of Shetil, declares the Lord, and make you a signet ring. For I've chosen you, declared the Lord of hosts. I have chosen you. I've set you apart. I've called you good. I'm going to use you in my hands. I'm going to work a miracle where there's no way. My question for you is how many in this room are saying, God chose me? Is there anybody, anybody saying, God choose me? God, do something in me that I could not do in myself. God, do something through me that I could never possibly imagine. God, I want to live a lifestyle of sacrifice for you. I'm going to put you before anything else, God. I trust you. God, you're the king of kings. You're the creator of all. God, I don't want to live into my full potential because that's underwhelming in your power and your might. I want to live into all that you have for me. I want to live into all that you call out of me. Is there anybody that's saying, hey, God, would you choose me to reach my city? Would you choose me to reach my neighbor? Would you choose me to love and lead those that you placed around me? God, would you choose me not to give me a promotion so that I could feel good and I could make more money and I could feel like I have some status? But God, would you choose me, use me in a way of something I don't deserve, your power, your might alive in me? God, would you choose me? And this group of people, and a man by Zerubbabel, and a man by the name of Haggai, they said, God, choose us. In spite of our weakness, would you be strong and alive in us? For God, we trust you, and we will obey you. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I know today is a day for all of us to consider our way forward. What I pray is in each heart and each life in this room, each one of us individually would consider our way forward. God, maybe there's somebody that's watching online that 
it's been a challenge. I pray that they would be called out today to know that under your power and your might, the evil, the darkness, the anxiety that lives in them, the fear that might be in them, that today would be that day the line is in the sand saying, no more. For you, Lord, are worthy of our praise. You, Lord, are worthy of our worship. And I trust you. God, for those that surrender their hearts to you, their life to you, their finances to you, everything that we own, God, it's yours. We trust you. And today we want to be obedient to you. Give us the strength of your work alive in us so we can carry out the hope of the world. It's in your name, your righteous and mighty name we pray. Amen.